At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. With your host, Andrew Donaldson, this is Herd Tell. Ah, welcome back to Herd Tell. I have been talking to Yalel Osowski, and it occurred to me we probably ought to hit the record button. That's how it goes when very old friends jump on the program. Early adapter? Can I use that? That's a big tech term. Tech bros love that early adapter term. You, sir, were an early adapter to the things I do, and I appreciate you. Good to see you again. Oh, great to see you, Andrew. And also, uh, congrats on the uh, the switch over to Substack. You know, I've, yeah. I've seen you, you've made that transition. That's looking really nice. Getting your uh, your words out there and and hopefully multiplying. Yeah, we we I've been very Twitter centric and Twitter is very let's just be kind and call it unstable at the moment. A little un what's the old magic eight ball? Cloudy future, uncertain future. Um, wanted to have kind of a one stop shop because I do a lot of different stuff with the columns and stuff. So I appreciate that. He is, of course, with the Consumer Choice Center, our very good friends going all the way back to the radio days. Um, you got a piece up in USA today. <laughs> Our old friends at the FTC, buddy, they just keep at it, don't they? Um, we talked about a week or so ago on the program about them going after big gaming as part of their big tech initiatives. Now you're in USA Today. Let's start this way because I don't know if you get wisdom with age, but you have seen things before. This stuff with Amazon cracks me up because if I go back to the 90s, it's the exact same arguments we had over Walmart, almost to the T. And if you go back further, you'll find it. The arguments never change, just the main character changes. Whoever the biggest consumer on the block is when it comes to, in this case, consumer goods, they get all the attention for regulation antitrust. I've seen this movie before, my friend. This is just a new spin on it with some high-tech nomenclature, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in my day, uh, when I was getting onto the internet, you know, figuring stuff out, 95, 96, um, you know, a little bit after the big talk of the town was Microsoft. 
And I, I know you talked about that with Steven, so you were able to go through uh, the FTC hurdles with that. But it's much the same. Microsoft is at the and at the time was a very new company. Like, look, there just were not many software companies that were also making hardware. And their model was, yes, to create some hardware, but they mostly had software, their operating system for the computer. And they would sell that and it would be adaptable to a bunch of computers. And you had different computer manufacturers from the U.S. or from Germany or Japan that could actually put up a machine and use that software. And it became ubiquitous. And because something is ubiquitous for some, that just means, hey, it's great. It's a platform. I understand it. I'm at school. I use Microsoft. I use Windows. I go here. I use Windows. I'm able to learn. You have governmental departments that use Windows. Uh, but for, you know, back in those days, you had the FTC that was like, well, this is a monopoly, obviously. It's like, of, of what? This is like a brand new industry that came out of nowhere that is novel and that is creating an entirely new category of value to consumers. So back then it was Windows, Microsoft. Um, obviously, they were broken up, as it were. They technically did, never had to go through with it. Um, they just had to pay massive fines to the government. But what we've seen today is that we have a new bad guy in town, uh, which is very strange to say because that bad guy happens to be the second most popular brand in the entire country, and that's Amazon, uh, behind the U.S. military, by the way. So you have a connection there. But to see that this is now our Emmanuel Goldstein two-minute hate, and, and not again, not rooting for the American populace. Um, if this was a, a pure direct democracy, you know, we would not have these actions on Amazon that are being floated by the Federal Trade Commission. Uh, what we do have is a, is a very small uh, literati, as it were, that have power because Joe Biden um, basically empowered every progressive organization in the world when he was nominating people for agencies when he came in. Uh, so we have Lena Khan, who's there, Yale Law School graduate, my age, actually. And uh, she has always had a big hate for Amazon, big hate for Meta, big hate for any of the big companies. She has essentially written a playbook for suing them, and she's already trying to do this. We saw one lawsuit that already hit this summer about Prime and how hard it is, Andrew, how hard it is to unsubscribe, uh, which is obviously ridiculous for anyone who's done this. Uh, but that that was sort of the the opening salvo and uh, what I mentioned in the piece is just that we're seeing the larger case that's being openly discussed now, which just has to do with Prime as a brand and the fact that Amazon has all of these different companies, whether it be web services, Prime Video, shipping, logistics, uh, even Whole Foods. You know, that's been mentioned as well. So uh, there's there's plenty of, uh, of action there that the FTC would like to take. What's stopping them right now? Uh, yeah, the legal justice system, the Constitution, and the fact that American consumers love Amazon. <laughs> yeah, and they love Amazon. We need to back up for just a second, though, and I yeah, don't yeah. want to go. I don't want to go loggy transportation or too much. Why people love Amazon? I mentioned Walmart earlier. Walmart beat Sam Walton, a real genius in business. Real, real. You know, if you read through the annuals of American business, Sam Walton's up there with whoever you want to put up there. Vanderbilt's, you know, Carnegie, whoever. He figured it out. We're going to build a logistics network to get these good. We're going to make money in the margins was his thing. And they did it with their logistics and they did it with their scanning systems and all that. What Amazon did was they almost reverse engineered and did it the other way. 
we're going to do all this without any overhead. We're going to use the internet. We're going to get it to you the next day. And then slowly over the last 10 years, they've started putting, you mentioned the Amazon vans. That's all new in the last 10 years. They put their network of logistics in after they got their worldwide branding and especially their domestic stuff. That's how you get that package next day in a lot of places. Some days, some cities now, you get it same day if you get it in by seven. That's why people like Amazon. I get it. I click it. I get it quick. I get it at a good price. That's why they like it. Not the good old brand for consumer choice, but that's consumer choice to a T. They found a niche in the market. They killed it. They do it better than anybody else. And they've made a lot of money at it. And the government kind of got left behind on, well, wait a minute, we can't regulate this because it's never been done this way before. And that's where this starts becoming, I don't want to say predatory, but regulatory practices get predatory. They go after the biggest person on the block, and that's Amazon. Not that Amazon doesn't need regulated, not that they don't need to be kept appraised of their labor practices and all that. There's a function of government there. But what the folks at the FTC are doing, that's not what they're doing. They're just picking the biggest name on the block that's got the new hot thing and going after them. Am I misreading this? Because that's pretty much where I'm at on it. No, I, I think you're right. And I did mention in the piece, I mean, there are real reasons to have regulatory scorn against a company like Amazon. I, the two examples that I mentioned are uh, the ring uh, surveillance uh, thing that you put outside your door. Uh, essentially, this subsidiary of Amazon has basically had an open door to any law enforcement agency. And they've been incredibly lax with following through on asking for court orders. Uh, that is pretty concerning. Uh, second one is we have a lot of fake you know, reviews and there's bot accounts and stuff doing China. I mean, that's super easy to fix with algorithms and things. They just haven't really done that. That can deceive people. You know, that is something that an FTC should absolutely look at. But when it comes to everything else, I mean, come on. I remember I was an early Amazon customer, you know, really when it was just books and, you know, you would compare prices. And I remember going to Books a Million Concord Mills and, you know, looking at what the price was there versus on Amazon. And most of the time it was cheaper in the store. And then there was an apex. There was a moment. I don't know exactly the year it was. Maybe it was 2010, 11. Amazon just started winning and winning and winning. And it started expanding and attracting third party sellers out the wazoo, which is the important part. Because, you know, the thing about Amazon is, yes, it's a marketplace and they have their own products. But anybody can technically sell on Amazon. You just got to pass the test. Be sure you have all your scruples, your paperwork, blah, blah, blah. You can set up your vendor shop there on Amazon. That is like an amazing platform. Now, FTC comes in and say, whoa, whoa, whoa. The way that you're treating the, the people who you've allowed onto your platform uh, needs to be done in X and Y way. <laughs> you invented this system uh, fairly new for a global e-commerce site. Uh, but these are the new rules and standards that we're applying to you. you know, that just doesn't pass muster. Uh, there's, again, all kinds of small things that they're bringing up in the context of these lawsuits. And there have been mostly leaks. This tells you something about the FTC. We actually have the only lawsuit that's come out right now is the one against the Prime subscription. Uh, oh, oh, bad, so hard to unsubscribe. Everything else is just rumors and media. And it's been... Lena Khan's team and the FTC leaking to reporters saying, we're going after them for this, this, and this. We're going to slam them for this and another thing. And it's it's kind of served as this trickle of news. My opinion is it's to get the American people ready for when this hits. And maybe they've heard the worst example of one thing. Uh, I just still don't think it's going to work because everybody knows somebody who's either worked at the Amazon warehouse or they see a van daily 
or they've ordered something from there or sold something there. It's so integrated into our economy that, you know, nobody is sitting there with a huge grudge against Amazon, except people who have an ideological disposition to not like larger companies that happen to be online. And that's unfortunate. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com try. Go to shopify.com try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com try. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. Yeah, yeah, little Sasuke joining us. We've talked about this before, but I think it bears bringing it up again. You you brought up that great Orrin Hatch quote about hipster antitrust. The terms antitrust and his first cousin monopoly are getting absolutely abused when it comes to big tech companies like Amazon and things like this because that's – but here's the problem. People still think of those terms in the old-fashioned industrial policy and regulation ways, and they don't fit cleanly – we talked about this with the Microsoft stuff with Stefan. You know, you're talking about market shares that are way, way lower, even as big as an Amazon is, even as big as a Microsoft is. It's nothing like when they were going after the real antitrust breakers in the 30s and 40s. There is a real problem with the U.S. government, and some of it's statutory in the law, and it's not all their fault. But things like the FTC, they're using the old-fashioned terminologies for the industrial age, for this new media age, and it just doesn't fit. And so much of what they're doing, and you can talk about Khan and her, you know, Chairman Khan and, and her theories and her ideologies, 
you just hear that 1930s ideology just pouring out of her like she's talking about the robber barons. And there's not that there's not robber barons in big tech, but when you go to make industrial policy for big tech, it doesn't fit at all. So even if you agree, disagree, whatever, it's going to be a mess because it doesn't really apply. And yet we're trying to use these terms again. Yeah, I'm not a Jeff Bezos stan, but just think of his story. This guy, you know, grew up a stepfather from Cuba, a teenage mom, you know, just not super well rich guy. He's not a Vanderbilt and built this company up over years and years. But the history of antitrust, by the way, is any kind of benefits that were offered at very cheap prices or free to certain industries or titans. So this happened with the settling of the American West. You had this land that was just claimed for pennies given to certain people, and they were able to build and use those resources, and they got a benefit from uh, the government. <laughs> and they've been given that that huge start that allowed them to maintain a monopoly position in so that nobody could mount in opposition. Nobody could form a different company to have oil. Uh, we can look at tobacco. American tobacco is the same thing. Standard oil. Um, AT&T. You know, AT&T is one of the, the largest monopolies that was broken up, and it was much the same. They were given a license by the government to have basically control of our telecommunications lines. Now, those are all privileges that are granted by government and therefore warp the market over time. And there are consequences for consumers because they have to pay higher costs because there is no competition. We look today, a company like Amazon or even Facebook, Meta, whatever. I mean, this is not like a government license. <laughs> People claim that because we have Section 230, which allows people to essentially not be held liable for comments on their sites or websites, uh, that is somehow a government benefit, I think is an outright lie. And these are companies that have been built up from nothing and they've only provided value. And you can't, you just can't compare that to, you know, the old uh, trust of the day, whether it was in railroads, oil or tobacco where you had government monopolies, government enforced monopolies. We, we learn about that in economics a lot. You know, it exists in some areas. You could say it exists today in, you know, weapons manufacturing, you know, not, not to get on that topic, which I know you, you know a lot about, but these are areas that are propped up by government. Because what does government represent versus Amazon? Who can put me in a jail cell and who can get me batteries to my door in three hours? You know, that is, I think, the difference it's why I don't buy the larger narrative of uh, surveillance capitalism, which we can talk about probably another time. Uh, but it just goes to show why the FTC's cases are just not helping anybody. And the entire idea of consumer welfare, which is supposed to be what modern antitrust is, has just been thrown out. Yeah. Yeah. Lasoski joining us. There's another part to this down the road that coming that worries me when you have something like the FTC not being used. And again, you know, we can yell small government and all that. There's a there's a proper function for the FTC that is important. It should be doing some oversight on businesses. It has a role to play. But for the current administration, their record in court was really, really good. They were getting about, I think, about a 70 percent, something like that success rate on their lawsuits. They usually knew what they were doing. When you have an, a government organization like the FTC that has a good role and it's not being done properly and it's being frankly, in my opinion, being abused. You, what you referred to, they call it jawboning. It's the government putting pressure on wink, wink, nudge, nudge to make people do stuff, right? The problem is those things, once the agencies stop doing their functions, 
and you have, and in this case, we're on Amazon, Amazon's side. Amazon's going to pay a lot of money in lobbyists. We know the hundreds of millions of dollars Facebook is pummeling into Congress for lobbying and trying to, they're going to want to start writing the rules for these regulations in the future to protect themselves. And you want to talk about consumer choice when the big tech and the big governments start getting together and the industries and they start making all the rules. That's when the consumers really get screwed. That's why you got to hold these things accountable. Even if it's going against something you may or may not like, you got to rein this stuff in now because that's what's coming down the road. And we've seen it in history and we see it now with the way these um, big tech hearings are going. Yeah, I, I very much agree. And we see it happening in front of our eyes with artificial intelligence. So there are a couple of frameworks that are out there. Chuck Schumer has written one. There's one in the European Union. The UK has a plan. And they've called in Sam Altman, who's the CEO of OpenAI, and essentially given him carte blanche to introduce any kind of rules he'd like to see. And what do you think he's going to do? Well, he's going to try to cut out Google Bart or Barf or whatever it's called or any other AI company out there. And we cannot allow uh, this the industry to just write the rules at the outset. You know, I think there has to be, uh, when normally we say entrepreneurial discovery, we need to have regulatory discovery too. If we don't know what the rules should be just yet, uh, there's a lot of saying of there ought to be a law, but we can't know what exactly that should be. We all have in mind various guardrails, uh, whether it comes to, you know, representation, stealing, copyright, you know, there's a lot of things that we know there. I think the biggest problem with AI is going to come down to labor and particularly if we look at autonomous vehicles and we look at labor unions, uh, we're already seeing this in San Francisco to a good, uh, good extent. Uh, but it is true that we need to have regulatory agencies in the competition realm that do keep a track on stuff because a lot of stuff is actually cartels. You know, if you look at the sugar industry, for instance, uh, there's the U.S. sugar program, you know, this kind of cronious thing that continues to funnel profits to, um, you know, the big sugar producers. And then we, we've got, you know, all of these different realms where people have secret deals that artificially keep prices high. Oftentimes, this is done at the behest of some legislative concern and some law that passed, but also sometimes it is private, off-the-books things. We will only buy from you here. We promise not to sell this below this price. That is obviously, blindfully, this is, we can say, this is an antitrust violation. And we've seen it, I believe there have been recent cases on um, contact lens companies that kind of do this, um, where they have exclusive deals with doctors. I mean, there are ways that this is happening right now that aren't being addressed. And I think that's very concerning. Uh, also, one thing, I'm very open in saying this, there's a lot of the crypto industry. Uh, most of the crypto industry is scams and deceptions that happen all day. And we all see the the spam crypto tweets and we see all of the things and we know it's obviously there's so many Ponzi's out there. This would be, you know, page one of FTC 20 years ago. Today, it just goes by the wayside. You know, you get something from uh, maybe the, the SEC, you know, if they can put uh, Kim Kardashian's name on it because it gets them some mentions. But there's a lot of people losing a lot of money here who are being deceived, lied to. And there's no action that's coming from FTC. It's all coming from the financial regulators after the fact, once people have already lost their money. So I think that should occupy a good amount of time for the antitrust, because that is sapping a lot of money from Americans right now. And, you know, I, 
there are obviously other examples and things that are happening. We also have to ensure that our government remains very open to innovation, particularly in the face of what we see from communist China. You know, we would talk about Amazon, blah, blah, blah. We have Alibaba, which could eat Amazon's lunch tomorrow if it was allowed to grow in the U.S. more. They already do in places like Canada and Western Europe. Alibaba is growing. It's huge. And because they have incredibly cheap shipping costs from their containers and all these deals, you know, from China, they could actually become more popular, bigger than Amazon. Uh, right now, Amazon just happens to have good consumer loyalty, customer loyalty, prime. They've got all these other benefits that Alibaba can't offer yet. If they get cut down, we could see a world where even more tech would be owned, would be distributed by the Chinese Communist Party and its affiliates. I think that is much more concerning than, you know, having a prime van going by my house every couple of days. Folks, if you've listened to the Herd Tell program, you've heard our friend Gabriella Hoffman, but you need to make sure you're checking out her podcast, District of Conservation. It's a podcast exploring the nuances of true conservation efforts from D.C. and beyond. From topic discussions to exclusive interviews with conservation and energy newsmakers, Gabriella keeps listeners appraised of the latest news stories while elevating important voices. Listen to the District of Conservation on Apple Podcasts or wherever podcasts are played. Folks, you've heard of Ethan Brown on the Herd Tell Show a couple of different times, but if you're interested in learning about how to discuss things like climate change without all the politics and doom and gloom, head over to his podcast, The Sweaty Penguin. Sweaty Penguin is a late-night comedy-style climate podcast working to add nuance, critical thinking, humor, and hope to the climate conversation. they got over 100 episodes already, breaking down weekly news stories and specific topics from the vanilla to the ADHD to the international accountability to orangutans. Yes, I know, it's a comedy thing, so just go with it. But each time, exploring different ways we can make progress on these issues while still helping the economy, health, security, and everything else we care about. Feel overwhelmed, exhausted, or excluded by today's climate change discourse? This is the podcast for you. Find The Sweaty Penguin wherever you get your podcasts or at www.thesweatypenguin.com. I agree. Yellow Sosky joining us. You mentioned crypto. You mentioned Alibaba, something I've actually kind of been keeping one eye on for the last year or two, especially, what was it, two years ago, their chairman got in a little bit of hot water with the Chinese government and fast talked his way out of it. I'm like, oh, there's a check road there for down the road somewhere we're going to have to keep an eye on. What else in the headlines for our listeners are you keeping your eye out on, whether it's, you know, a congressional hearing thing, a revolutionary technology thing? What are you watching in the headlines for folks that they can watch so when it pops up virally, they'll know, oh, that's something I need to pay attention to? Uh, well, so here's one I know that you haven't talked about on your show, uh, as far as I know. Um, there's a lot of stuff that's happening in Canada on basically traditional news media versus new media and tech firms. So in Canada, it was called the Online News Act. In the U.S., we have our version, the JCPA, Journalism Competition and Preservation Act. This is essentially the idea, which first came from uh, 
I can say commie Australia because they, they, their their policies lately are pretty bad. Uh, but essentially, the idea from Australia was we force tech firms to sit down with news publishers, news news broadcasters, and pay them money for all of the classifieds and advertising money that has shifted from traditional newspapers to tech firms, Google, Facebook, you name it. So in Canada, we're seeing the absolute disaster that this has caused. They passed the bill, went into royal assent, and Meta, predictably, as they stated they would do, cut off Canadian news websites so that they are not subject to this law. Now, there's been outcry and a lot of misinformation about why this happened. It was because the government passed the law forcing them to pay old school print journos. And there's a lot to unpack there. But if we look at the Australian example, it has not been a success at all. And the biggest beneficiaries have actually been Rupert Murdoch and a couple of his companies because he owns uh, still a lot of the broadcast and some of the, the print media down there. So what we're using is government power to try to force a new industry to pay an old industry. And journalism is going undergoing a renaissance right now. I mean, you use Substack, YouTube, podcasting, open platforms. You also are in newspapers. You're also in other media. You know, you do what we all have to do uh, to get our message out there. But we have all these tools and tech available. You know, we're not reliant on the same newspaper model of the 1970s. It is new, but media companies have to innovate. The New York Times has done amazingly in pivoting to a digital world. They're making more money than they ever have. Other newspapers and firms, not so much. And I think, unfortunately, a lot of people will continue to call on the government to fix the problem. So if uh, if we're able to put a little bit of a spotlight on what's happening in the U.S., again, it's the JCPA bill by... Um, Senator Klobuchar, who's, um, again, also an antitrust uh, fangirl. Uh, that is at least something to highlight because I think media like yours uh, go against their narrative because you're you're actually being able to put things out there. And, and hopefully we'll get you a lot more uh, Substack subscribers so you can do it full time all the time. Yeah, that'd be nice. But, you know, th- it's a great example because I write I started writing for my local print media. They're online, too, of course my local print media because the media environment, you know, the, the flagship newspaper, in fact, they just cut down no more Sunday papers, which was an institution for years. They're just going to have a weekend edition, stuff like that. The media landscape there is changing and I wanted to be a part of it. So I do do local, you know, a local column as well. Uh, California had a bill about this. We covered uh, about a week or so ago, a smaller rate. That's a lot of what um, Klobuchar and them pulled from yeah. California. Now that stalled out, but we did cover it. Um, in fact, I think we called it how not to save newspapers because it's actually really bad for newspapers, too, when you get down to it, because we know what happens when you subsidize something. You can't really cover it. Right. Um, I completely agree with you. We will get on this Canada thing. We'll have to get one of our Canadian friends down for that. My thing with the media, though, just put a bow on this. Here's how we tie it all together. Watch this little media thing here. Jeff Bezos owns The Washington Post, and it's done pretty well under Jeff Bezos's thing, who also owns Amazon. And people will say, well, there's another like, well, no, that's one of the models of media. Now you have to have a rich benefactor that'll take care of a flagship institution or you got to go the nonprofit route like we've seen out in Utah and other places. By the way, you just have to be a New York Times and survive off your legacy, basically. I mean, that was the storyline of Citizen Kane, you know, yes. one of the best movies of all time from over 100 years ago. Yes. Was, you know, rich benefactors. Like, how many how many millions of dollars are going to lose next year? I expect to lose 20 million that year and that yeah. year. You know, when I'll run out of money in 100 years. 
Yeah, you want to go back to yellow journalism and, you know, invading Cuba. How far back you want to go? This stuff is not new is the moral of the story, folks. That's why we got to turn the noise down on the news and talk to folks like our good friend, Yala Lasowski, Consumer Choice Center. Great having you back. We're going to keep having you in the rotation along with all of your many cohorts and the folks of your ilk, which people mean for bad, but I love it. I love calling people that. Let folks know how you can follow and keep up with you. We're going to link to your piece in the USA today. Let them know what else you got going on until we get you back on her. Tell my friend. Yeah, well, uh, to my fellow travelers, uh, I'm on the Twitter, uh, Y-A-E-L-O-S-S. Um, I could talk to you about Nostr, a whole like Bitcoin-powered social network, but we'll do that another time. Uh, but mostly find me there or over there at Consumer Choice Center, and I'm uh, pretty Googleable at this point. Unique name, uh, strange uh, national origin. Uh, I'm there. International man of mystery. Yeah, you said we'll get somebody Canadian to talk about. I am Canadian. I know about this stuff too. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're you're a man of the you're a citizen of the world, my friend. You 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 are the uh, consumer choice onion, one astounding layer after another, my friend. So I have not yet been called an onion. My wife will like that. Well, thank you so much for having me on, Intro. It's been a pleasure, and uh, yeah, heard tell. Let's do this. Look, appreciate your support, my friend. We'll talk soon, sir. Alrighty. All the music on her tell is provided under a creative content license from monstercat.com. Folks, if you've listened to the Herd Tell program, you've heard our friend Gabriella Hoffman, but you need to make sure you're checking out her podcast, District of Conservation. It's a podcast exploring the nuances of true conservation efforts from D.C. and beyond. From topic discussions to exclusive interviews with conservation and energy newsmakers, Gabriella keeps listeners appraised of the latest news stories while elevating important voices. Listen to the District of Conservation on Apple Podcasts or wherever podcasts are played. Folks, you've heard of Ethan Brown on the Hurt Tell Show a couple of different times, but if you're interested in learning about how to discuss things like climate change without all the politics and doom and gloom, Head over to his podcast, The Sweaty Penguin. Sweaty Penguin is a late-night comedy-style climate podcast working to add nuance, critical thinking, humor, and hope to the climate conversation. they got over 100 episodes already, breaking down weekly news stories and specific topics, from the vanilla to the ADHD to the international accountability to orangutans. Yes, I know, it's a comedy thing, so just go with it. But each time, exploring different ways we can make progress on these issues while still helping the economy, health, security, and everything else we care about. Feel overwhelmed, exhausted, or excluded by today's climate change discourse? This is the podcast for you. Find The Sweaty Penguin wherever you get your podcast or at www.thesweatypenguin.com. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. 
visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com.